Welcome to Box to Box Football. Hello, welcome to Box to Box Football. Oh man, we almost got a full house here today. Look at that. We got a is is, is Samsung ducking us because of the game this weekend in Italy? Ooh. Oh, Kyle. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna send the the gif of the goal and make sure he uh, he saw it. Um, <laughs> but Kyle, um, remind us what the bet is again. Is it forty competitive it like, matches? I don't know that we ever agreed to that. This bet was that if if Pulisic makes forty appearances this year for AC Milan, he would buy everybody uh, lunch or something like that. What's and, he on now? Ten. Well, uh, ten, and and if he stays healthy, he's going to get to forty. Like, oh yeah. No, it, right. He's he's gonna no doubt about it. He's getting the forty as long as he stays healthy, which obviously has been a, a an issue throughout his career. Um, but yeah, he's off. Obviously, he's off to a great start uh, there. It's it's amazing what happens when uh, you're wanted. Uh, they put you in your best position, um, and, and and you know, the, and the chemistry is good. Um, and, and like I said at the at the uh, when we first kind of got in the argument about it. Um, Look, it was some of it was his fault because he didn't stay healthy enough, and some of it was just the chaos at Chelsea that seems to envelop everybody who shows up at Chelsea. Um, so, so it is it is what it is. But obviously, a, a good start for him uh, and, and a good start for for all the uh, the four Americans in, in Syria, uh, um, you know, which maybe we'll touch on in our uh, around the world segment. But we do have week eight of the Premier League to get to, where we now have new leaders. In the Premier League, co-leaders, Tottenham and Arsenal both on 20 points. And the reason we got there is because in, in the big game of the weekend, Arsenal won, Manchester City nil. Manchester City, two consecutive defeats in the league, three consecutive defeats in the on, on in England. If you go back to the uh, the League Cup loss uh, to Newcastle, they did beat uh, RB Leipzig in the Champions League in, in between then. Um, but it, it was not a great football match between oh. these two teams. Uh, Arsenal, two shots on goal. Manchester City, one shot on goal, only four attempts. Holland didn't have a shot in the entire game. Manchester City's lack of ambition um, was startling to me. Um, Tron, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you. Thoughts from, from this game? Like we said, it wasn't a great game, but Arsenal gets the result at the end. Uh, Martinelli with the deflected shot. What Did it go off somebody's face? Uh, yeah. and, and that ended up being the winner. Okay's face. Look, I mean, if you watch, if you've watched Manchester City over the last, I mean, it, it's the same as Barcelona. I mean, Barcelona, like these games are boring. They're boring to watch. Every once in a while, there'll be a good game, but I mean, they have like 75, 80% possession in games. And you just like, you have these games where they can't break anybody down. And, you know, they'll, they'll lose. I think, you know, last week they lost to Wolves and, you know, that was a little bit surprising. But once in a while they have these results. They just have these fluke results sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, this I, – I don't know that it's super surprising that Arsenal won at home, uh, you know, against them. But the game was terrible. I mean, you know, it's build – and that's what happens. They build these big games up and 95% of the time – you know it's terrible. The you know the 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 World Cup final I think was was one where they kind of built it up and it, it lived up to the hype and you know you, you see it happen a lot. You know it's and by the way Tottenham is is on top of the table because they've scored two more goals than Arsenal. They have eighteen goals for and 
Arsenal has 16 goals, both on the same goal difference of 10. Um, but look, I, you know, I think that the one thing that you get out of this this year is that, you know, there's going to be no gimme games for these teams. I think a lot of teams are going to drop points. Um, you know, Tottenham still hasn't lost. Arsenal still hasn't lost. They've dropped points twice. Manchester City's dropped points twice. These teams are going to drop points all over the place, um, all the way down to basically. I mean, you can make you can make an argument that even Kyle's Fulham, uh, you know, you can, you can get some points. I mean, there's there's 12 teams right now on uh, double digit points, so I, I think it's going to be an interesting year. But yeah, the game was terrible. I, I asked JJ, I want to bring you in on this because one thing I, I think sometimes is obviously Arteta studied under Pep, right? He was Pep's assistant coach. So I wonder if there's just so much similarity between them that, that when their two teams play, you just get where it, it's a little bit of a stalemate like this. Yeah, I mean, you could say that there is a stalemate aspect to it. It also just felt like a classic case of two teams at this stage of the season that didn't want to lose points at this case. Um, you know, going into the international break where Arsenal coming off of a Champions League loss just a few days prior, Man City, obviously the last thing that you'd ever see out of a current Pep Man City team is losing six points from six heading into a break. So trying to do whatever it takes to end on a high note. But for me, this match was kind of played in three parts. The first part of it was the press that City had because that caused absolute fits for Arsenal trying to play out of the back. Raya almost had one deflect into his own net. There was a couple other occasions. So that was the first 20 minutes. Then something that actually became a little bit of a talking point throughout the course of the weekend was quick yellow card followed by either quick near yellow card or second yellow card. This was Kovacic, who probably could have been booked twice in the span of three minutes that would have maybe have sent city down to 10 men and then something that a couple of weeks ago i will walk very much back i said that um arteta likes to over analyze and overthinks his subs too much but boy did he get all of his subs right on the day i mean martinelli was class ever since he stepped on the foot that triple sub i was thinking to myself okay tomiyasu makes sense Partey, okay i get it what does Eddie and Ketia have to do to stay on the field for 90 minutes, though, when Kai Havertz comes onto the field, but all four of those subs combined for the goal? So it it worked out. And, hey, you know what? Sometimes playing at home, there's going to be that little bit of an extra factor to it as well. You want to end the week on a high note. You want to go into the break ending on a high note. I think, fortunately for City now, looking at this going forward, all those players are going to be very happy going to their international squads because now – Pep is going to stew over this for a week and a half, and then they all come back on a Wednesday and a Thursday, and they don't have to deal with, I think as my old high school coach would used to say, running week. Yeah, you don't have to go to Pep's training uh, the the next day when it's international break. Uh, we, we should point out one guy. Just real quickly, one second. Before that game, uh, Manchester City had won 12 straight Premier League games against Arsenal. It goes back to uh, – 15, 15 unbeaten. Yes, the only time they had lost to him was in the FA Cup. Um, they lost, in the, obviously, they drew, they drew in the Community Shield, but they had lost to him um, in the FA Cup in July of 2018. But Manchester City had, and a lot of them were drubbings, 5-0, 3-1, 4-1, you know. So, uh, that, that would, that, you know, maybe that would be a little surprising. I said one player who, who obviously didn't play also uh, was Bukayo Saka. 
for for Arsenal. He's injured in the in the Champions League midweek. He's not in the England squad. Uh, well, he recovers from that. Uh, but Stu, I wanted to, to bring you in here because we talked all season. Is Man City going to slip up? Are they going to slip up? And then it happens two weeks in a row. Now we have two new co-leaders after eight weeks. Is the title race wide open again? Certainly a little open. I think I think it is. Um, now, I don't know if Tottenham, if I believe in them as a title contender yet. Top 14, yes. Title contender, I'm not sure. Liverpool, we'll get to them, I know, in a little bit. Again, they have their lapses at times. I don't know if they're someone that could compete with City. I do think Arsenal is probably the most likely one. Do I think they're title contenders? I, I still think City wins the title ultimately. And I think a lot of this match, to me at least, comes down to the absence of Rodri. And you kind of saw the impact it had in, in the middle of the field. They just, the midfielders didn't really play with an attacking sense. They kind of played Bernardo Silva in that role. And if anyone who knows Bernardo Silva, that's not his game. He's not someone who's like a holding midfielder. He's not someone that's going to play out from back. He's more of a guy you want on the attack. I mean, they're playing Rico Lewis in the midfield. Calvin Phillips can't even get on the pitch at this stage. And you would think without Rodri, that's prime Calvin Phillips time. But unfortunately for him, he just, he cannot break the starting side for Pep. Yeah. And Arsenal, again, if there was obviously one side I was more impressed with, it was Arsenal. Um, it was a rough game to watch, but in the end, a few things stood out for me on Arsenal's side. JJ mentioned the subs that Arteta hit on and he was spot on with that, but also the decision to start Jorginho. And in starting Jorginho, it moved Declan Rice to more of that number eight role, that box-to-box role, and he really shined. He was great tackling, great uh, intercepting passes, also had a few you know, passes in the attack as well. So I think that decision was huge. And also just a credit to the Arsenal defense. I mean, Holland was non-existent. He had one shot other than the shot and then the pass to, to Ake pretty early on, I believe in the first 10 minutes. He was pretty non-existent for the rest of the game. Uh, William Saliba's, I think, has kind of introduced himself as probably the best center back in England right now. Um, Virgil Van Dyke's a little older. You know, Lissandro Martinez is kind of in and out, hurt. There's a couple other guys in there, obviously. Ruben Diaz is another guy who's good, but sometimes a little inconsistent. So for me, Saliba's really, he's. I think he's the guy right now that if you say, oh, who's the best center back in England, it's him. And then combined him with Gabrielle, that duo is just fantastic. So just a really good result for Arsenal. They got the monkey off the back. I think that was really important for them. And at least puts them in a spot where I think they can make it a race. Ultimately, though, I do think it is City that wins it. I, I do agree with Stu in the point that I think this was more important for Arsenal to win this game than Man City. Uh, and, and one other thing I, I was thinking about this game, too, is when you think about where it falls in, in the context of the season, I think some of the like the newness of the of the season has just started, the adrenaline that comes with that, that has begun to war, wear off. You, you get in the European competition, right? Both those teams were in action in, in the Champions League midweek. You're banged up, right? No Saka for Arsenal, no Rodri for Manchester City. De Bruyne has been out for a while. Um, the international break is is coming up. So it's kind of a, a, a weird spot in the season, too. So I wonder if that maybe impacts the the quality of the game as well. But, uh, you know, just kind of right about, yeah, I, much more important that Arsenal won that game and found a way to, to get the three points uh, than Man City, um, who, again, they'll get Arsenal at, at the Etihad later this season. Um, but as we said, new co-leaders uh, and one of the other teams that, that we want to jump to our next game, Manchester United. Uh, 
2-1 over Brentford. Scott McTominay, who I thought we were trying to sell in uh, in the uh, in the summer window, still hanging around. Two stoppage time goals. Um, you know, maybe maybe appropriate on on the week that Sir Alex Ferguson's wife passed away. That Manchester United would score two goals in in Fergie time uh, to to beat Brentford by He's two goals to one. United up, yeah, United up to to twelve points. Uh, they've won two of the last three. Brentford no wins in the last five. Seven points, uh, getting a little iffy there for the bees. Um, Sean, uh, your thoughts on the on Manchester United and being able to to, to rescue that late. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the worst start of all time for them and they're facing all this stuff and you look up and they're, you know, four points back of fifth and five points back of fourth with, look, you know, every I think people made this huge deal about Rodri being out for Manchester City and, you know, he's a big deal, but like they have the deepest squad in the world. Right, Manchester United went into that game without their top four defensive players. Like all four of their defensive back line were out. They're their starters. They're all out. So, you know, they're playing, you know, players that, that aren't even that really shouldn't be playing, to be honest. I mean, you know, you got uh you know Victor Lindelof playing at left back. I mean, I it is what it is. There's all these injuries and stuff like this. And uh, you know, they 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 threw McTominay on and he got in, you know, they actually scored three goals. He scored the first one was offside there late. But um, it, it's just, you know, I, I just remember last year when they played Fulham right before the international break and Garnacho scored and like the, they, he scored like literally the last kick of the match. Uh, I remember. Yeah. But it, <laughs> that kind of turned their season around early in the season after all, you know, after everything had, you know, started, it hadn't started great. Um, and you know, this is the kind of thing, you know, basically the same thing, last kick of the game. And really, I mean, you know, the Fulham match, it, it, it was, it, you know, there, it was a draw. So, you know, draw on the road, it's not the worst result at Fulham. You know, they rescue a point there. Listen, they're losing at home to a team that was, you know, not in form and that, that would have been a disaster, but they get the, they get the win. And now, you know, all the injury, you know, they got Regulon coming back. They got Kobe Mainu coming back, who's you know, defensive midfielder is going to be a monster. He's 18 years old. They have uh, Ahmad coming back. They got some players starting to come back, and it's going to start to kind of ease. You know, Varane will be back. Uh, it's going to start to ease. You know, they're, look, there's still issues. Um, the, the the keeper, uh, you know, the, the first goal was terrible. The goal they allowed was, you know, I, I think was terrible. But he came back and late in the game and made two huge saves to keep him in it and uh, allow him to win the game. So, look, there's a lot of problems. But I, I think, once again, you know, a lot of injuries, all this stuff, it's going to start to ease up. And as they start to go into a period where they're going to be playing a lot of games really quickly, they're going to start getting some players back. And I, I think they'll be all right. You know, I, I, they're not winning the league, but, you know, I think they'll be all right. That game is going to be massive for the season, I think. I, JJ, before you – I wanted to ask JJ about this and, and also your thoughts on the game. But Rasmus Hoyland, um, since he's been introduced into the side, I know he didn't score in the Brentford game. But just your thoughts on what he's given Manchester United um, since he's he's been introduced coming off uh, the injury. Um, yeah, I think he's – He's been a serviceable target forward. I kind of alluded to when he made his 
uh, debut, what was it, against Brighton, the little little cameo at the end of the match, and I said he was an absolute man mountain of a forward where he could basically hold off three guys, able to control the ball, and this is after the man who's currently not on the podcast, Mike Sampson. I got no reason to say anything about not being on podcasts. I've probably got the worst attendance record of everybody here. Thank you, work obligations, but Samsel called him Holland uh, or sorry, the my wi- uh, the uh, wish it was a uh, wishless Make- Holland or something well, like that. Yeah. Um. Anyways, no, I think he he's obviously he's a young lad, but he's his potential could be very very high with this league. The physical demands and just how teams can really be different doesn't matter if it's Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, whoever. If you have a target striker who knows how to hold up play can then allow everyone to come play through you, you have a chance of being successful in this league because it's a fast league, but it's a physical league. You're going to have, you know, Stu's talking about how the center back level, maybe in terms of like the peak has gone down a little bit, but at the same time, the median is like right there. It, it's a quality position. Got so many internationals that are going to do the job. So I think for Hoyland, yeah, job has, he's definitely clamped down his place at the moment to be that match in match out target striker. As for this weekend's contest as a whole, I mean, I put it on my social media accounts after the match. Um, I'm happy for Scotty. I mean, he's a guy that you know, yeah, we talked about, and a lot of other people talked about how he's going to be sold during the summer, and he's like the first player that's going to be going alongside of Maguire. Well, first off, guess what? Both of them are still there. Both of them have been very good servants to the organization, and for Scotty especially, the man plays with emotion on his sleeves and is very, one of the few players, in my opinion, on that squad that actually plays for the badge. He actually cares about playing for Manchester United. Um, and it shows, so I'm happy for the, him that he had his moments. Um, I mean, it leads into nicely where Scotland are going to be basically a win and end scenario to qualify for the euros coming up in a couple of days time. And he seems to just absolutely pick up everything in his game when he plays for his country. So, you know what? Maybe this could prove to Ten Hag that he should see a few more minutes. I'm not saying start, but maybe come in for longer cameos off the bench or be that guy that could be the X factor, however you want to say it. Just someone to lift the team up because they still haven't been good. They've just been good enough to beat below average teams in the Premier League. Stu, a word on Brentford, maybe. Are they starting to feel the the loss of Ivan Tony up top here? Five straight without a win, only seven points uh, through eight matches. Yeah, definitely. You just don't see that goal-scoring presence without Ivan Tony. Like, Mabuemo's fine, but again, he's not someone who's going to put in 15 or 20 goals. They really miss that. Yeah, for Thomas Frank's squad, it's it's tough, right? We talk about the United side, and obviously good for them, but at the same time for Brentford, it's it's rough. They're just way off the pace of where they were last year and even the year that they uh they come they came up two years ago i don't think they're in trouble per se like i don't think they're a relegation team we'll get to some of those teams as we always do later on but yeah it's it's just tough and then for united and sean kind of mentioned this they're they're right there as bad as they've been like they are they are right there i mean they're four points out of a europa league spot that's you know they could make that up in two weeks but it was a big result because you know 12 points in 10th place, four points out of Europa spot. 
that's a lot better than being on nine points. And they would have been in 15th uh, on goal differential behind Brentford and Nottingham Forest. So a massive result, for, especially for McTominay, a guy who, like JJ said, is is a guy who's, you know, really worn that United shirt well, a guy that probably deserves a little better. And I'm sure he'll get some more minutes out of this. Uh, but yeah, for Brentford, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough road uh, to really match what they did the last couple of seasons, I think. JJ, do you want to add something there? I think that Brentford is a, a lot better off than we all think that they are because <laughs> Thomas Frank always finds a way. I mean, he always finds a way when every season, the first year they came up, Brentford are going to go straight back down. They finished mid-table. Last year, oh, they had a patch at the back end of the season. It might be enough to sink them. They stay up. This is a club that will stay up this year. All right, moving on, Stu, you're going to get first crack here. Liverpool 2, Brighton 2, uh, a Mo Salah double at the end of the first half uh, after Brighton had taken the lead, and then uh, the Seagulls, a late equalizer through Lewis Dunk. 2-2 uh, draw, Stu, fair result here uh, between two teams that are both uh, top four chasing. I mean, if I'm Liverpool, I'm happy with with the draw, honestly. that they Brighton could have easily won this game 3-2, maybe 4-2. I mean, there are different, both teams had chances, right? For me, it's it's why Liverpool aren't going to win the league. It's why Liverpool probably aren't going to finish second. It's why they're going to finish third or fourth. They're just going to drop too many points in instances where they have sloppy play, whether it's from defenders, whether it's, you know, an Allison Howler. The first, I mean, the first goal he gave up, it was kind of bad all around. There's a, not a great pass from Van Dyke. McAllister, bad touch by McAllister, and then Allison was out of position. So it was all three of them kind of combining. And then the second one, I mean, they gave up too many corners, too many set pieces. I think I think Brighton had eight corners to Liverpool's one. Uh, they had like three or four free kicks from like right outside the box. Um, and then one of them killed them. The, I mean, Robertson kind of misplayed the ball. It's, it's just they're going to have a lot of those. More than City's going to have, more than Arsenal's going to have. So that's to me why they're not going to be in that contention for, for first or second in the league. And also it's like... It, I'm going to keep harping on it. It's probably not going to change, but playing Alexis McAllister as a six just isn't it. I understand they don't have, they didn't really spend the money on a holding midfielder. They brought in Arturo Endo, who is fine, probably not Liverpool starting mm-hmm. caliber. I mean, Solosai has been great, but McAllister's kind of been played out of position a bit. He's being asked to be a six when he's not a six. It's just, it's not great. And again, like, like I said, Brighton could have, Liverpool could have been up three to one. The Graven Bear missed a pretty good opportunity, but then I just knew it. Once Liverpool didn't get that third goal, I'm like, there. That's that uh, third goal. I just knew they're gonna tie this up, maybe win it. And if Pedro would have made that absolute sitter that he had uh, later in the match, uh, Brighton probably would have won the match and probably should have, if I'm being honest. Uh, so I'll take the points. Take the what are they in fourth now? Uh, going into the break, I guess that's fine. We'll see. We'll see what happens after this, though. Liverpool on 17 points, Brighton on 16 points. There's a whole log jam of, of clubs there uh, that are that are right in that mix. I think there we got four. I'm just doing the math now. Four points separating fourth from eighth. Um, so so everybody's still very tightly congested. Sean, that said, then it, it, going off what Stu said, a missed opportunity for Brighton to get above Liverpool there. That game was was at Brighton. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I thought. You know, first half until late. You know, Brighton was really dominant. I, you know, they they missed a couple a uh, couple sitters. Uh, you know, really had chances to 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 play well. Um, 
I think he'll take the point there and just go to the next day, uh, the next game. But yeah, you know, they, they did have a chance to uh, pick up uh, an extra two points. Um, you know, I think Brighton is starting to see what it's like playing those extra games. Uh, some of these clubs, you know, you, you, you have, uh, you know, Newcastle, I think, you know, maybe they got a little bit worn down after all the emotion of that uh, match the, the other night. And, uh, you know, you have to play these extra matches at high levels in the Europa League and, and, and the, uh, the uh, Premier League or the uh, Champions League. Look, anytime you go play somewhere, you play a team um, in the Europa League and you're a Premier League team, these teams are going to go 100% to try to beat you because, you know, it's it's the biggest league in the world. So, you know, you might expend a little bit extra energy. It's tough, man. It's tough to come back on that Sunday after you play in the Europa League. Uh, you know, it's a, there's a reason that um, those teams struggle some of the smaller squads struggle when they have to do that. You've seen it over and over again, Newcastle and, you know, 2012 and, you know, Tottenham and, uh, you know, some of these other teams. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they end up dealing with this. But yeah, you know, I, I, I think when you put all of that into consideration, you know, points probably good for them, but uh, I think maybe they're kind of ruining a little chance there. Well, you mentioned Newcastle, so we're going to move on to our next game, and, and JJ's going to get first crack on this one. Uh, Newcastle 2, West Ham 2. West Ham took an early lead through Tomas Suchek and Alexander Isak double uh, for Newcastle, and then a late Mohamed Kudus goal in the 89th minute, a 2-2 draw. Newcastle, such a high that it was coming off of JJ. The, the 3-1 win over PSG, an incredible night, an incredible atmosphere uh, at, at St. James's Park. Uh, and then and then they go behind against West Ham, and you're wondering there, all right, is this kind of a little bit of a letdown uh, after that? And then they come back and get the lead only for West Ham uh, to, to grab that late equalizer. So, again, uh, same thing I kind of asked too, but a fair result there, a 2-2 draw between two teams that are in, sort of in that long jam. Yeah, I think the team that's going to be actually more disappointed is West Ham, in my opinion. Um, because they put in a really good performance at Freiburg. I, I did sit down to watch that match from start to finish on Thursday. And I know it's just two, one to them, but I felt like that easily could have been four five, one with the amount of chances that they miss. And when you combine that with the potential hangover of beating PSG, I mean, it really doesn't get better than that often in the, in any sort of European group stages. So you'd have to feel like there'd be like, okay, well for Newcastle, you make that long trip down from the Northeast to London and everyone's kind of already thinking about, well, we've got the international break coming up and there's a lot more players in that squad now that are getting regular international appearances. And yeah, I think for West Ham kind of turning off at the beginning of the second half a little bit, um, Isak, I mean, what can we say? I, I did preview at the beginning of the season. The guy is, easily a 15 to 20 goal scorer in this league because he's another one of those just big nasty target strikers that could just do everything and he's gonna have that fox in the box mentality but shout out to our boy kudos coming through with an absolute lovely finish by the way from outside the box no keeper in the world saving that um and i'm looking at west ham right now um kyle and i'm looking at their schedule ahead you're talking about that log jam well west ham these are their 
their four matches in the next period, because again, there's going to be another international break in mid-November. Away at Villa, home to Everton, at Brentford, home to Forest. There's a lot of points that could yep. be gotten from that area. Yep. And you can jump Villa, who are kind of in the same boat right now, that combination of playing on Thursdays and still hanging around in the top half of the table. So if David Moyes' men can keep this thing going, I mean, yeah, they've got a trip to Greece in there Greece, yep. and also a League Cup match against Arsenal. And I did speak about it with West Ham previously that they could be a cup team this year, but don't also count them out of the league if they're – rolling they could be rolling that entire four or five week period because we weren't here on the on the 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 thursday show sean i do just want to get your thoughts on newcastle's win over psg and what that meant to to newcastle and its supporters uh four points they're on top of that group of death in the champions league and and maybe now you have to sit with a real chance of, of getting through that yeah, look, you know, you have to win your games at home uh, in the Champions League. Uh, to, to, no matter who you're playing, uh, you know, you're a top four team in the Premier League. You you have to win your games at home to qualify. Um, you see the, the, the other teams and the issues they're having because of where they're at, you know, w- with home games and, and, and the way they played. So, um, but yeah, pretty impressive. PSG obviously is a shell of what they were. Um, they're struggling a little bit in the, in the league. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's a, it's a good win. Um, I think maybe by the time the group stage ends, it won't be as, you know, it won't look as good, but you know, uh, maybe, uh, PSG's, you know, right now it's going to come down to, you know, what they do. I think they have PSG has Milan next, right? Uh, yes twice so you know i think it's going to come down newcastle look newcastle should beat dortmund twice um or you know once and and get it you know maybe get a draw uh right now all they all they kind of really need to do is is maybe pick up four points from those matches and i think they'll be in pretty good shape but uh yeah you know it's a it's a pretty big win just got to get through you know i think you know obviously they want to win the group but you know at this point you know you got to get through and get into because you know, obviously, if they're in the knockout stage, you know, they're going to be spending some money in January um, and, and bringing some reinforcements in. So I think that'd be big for them. Just going to run down the rest of the games from match week eight. And then any thoughts you have on them, we'll, we'll get them. Tottenham, 1-0 over Luton. Spurs navigated the entire second half down a man uh, to go joint top of the table. Uh, Chelsea, four. Burnley, one. Uh, the Blues finally started to, to score some goals. Um uh, uh, Cole Palmer, Raheem Sterling, Nicholas Jackson, all on target. There was an own goal mixed in there uh, as well. Burnley actually took the lead in that game. Uh, Wolves won. Aston Villa won. Uh, Everton three. Bournemouth nil. Bournemouth still yet to win and is in the bottom three. Uh, Everton now with two wins after that that awful start. Crystal Palace nil. Nottingham Forest nil. Fulham three. Sheffield United one. Obviously from that game, Chris Basham had a had a nasty injury for for Sheffield United. Um, so, so certainly I think everybody, uh, are, are around the game in, in England is, is wishing him a, a, a speedy recovery. Um, I'll just take that one real quick off the top, but, uh, it was a win Fulham had to have against a Sheffield United team that came in with just one point. You're at home, you're at the cottage, you're coming off a disappointing, uh, result, uh, against Chelsea, uh, at home. And when you look at Fulham's schedule, it is not easy 
coming up. You go off, come off the international break. You've got Spurs who are joint top. You've got Brighton. Uh, you've got a you got a really um, tricky uh, Carabao Cup tie against Ipswich Town, uh, who knocked out Premier League oppos- opposition in in the last round. Then you've got Man United, Aston Villa before the break. That is a treacherous run of games for Fulham that they're going to have to try and get points out of, and that's why that game that that against Sheffield United is so important that they got out of that. Um, you know, with three points and and, and we're able to win that game. JJ, uh, anything from from those games that stood out for you, for you? Uh, yeah. Um, first off, you're talking about Ipswich Town, by the way, because we always have to give them a little bit of love. And Mike can't defend himself with Leicester. That Chaplin lad, what a player he is, by the way. Um, he if that team gets into the Premier League next year, or if they don't, he goes up to the Premier League. He is going to be a highly sought after player. And also he hit the birdie dance after uh, scoring a goal this past weekend. A little, little chicken dance for the, those of y'all who don't know. Um, the Luton Town Tottenham match. Fascinating one on a number of different levels. Because first off, Luton, you have to start finishing your chances off. I mean, Adebayo, Morris, that's what you're brought there to do finish your chances, especially when you go up a man against Tottenham. The other bit that I wanted to bring up briefly from this match, I alluded to a little bit earlier, the banter and the talk has been so much on VAR and the officials and how they're not getting it right. But players also have to play their part as well and not talking their way into cards or diving or doing very reckless things to put their team in danger. And Eves Basuma, lad, what are you on right now? (laughs) Because that was, that wasn't even a good dive to have just a bit of fun at it. That was awful, my son. Um, and the yellow card that he picked up uh, just a couple of minutes before that, no need to go into that challenge. I mentioned it earlier with Kovacic, probably should have been sent off um, for a second yellow card. We saw that against uh, Bruno Gimares for Newcastle. He had what a yellow card and then a, a reckless foul. What could have been a clear denial of a potential goal scoring opportunity. Probably should have saw yellow. So they talk about referees needing to have feel. I think also players need to have a little bit of self awareness to say, just can't do that. Stu, yeah, I guess from that Lewin Spurs game, um, just another brilliant assist by Madison. He's been incredible. Five assists already this year. Uh, again, you really pick up Basuma, like JJ said, and Basuma's been really good. Like this is really the first, you know, this year at least, not last year, but this year, Basuma's been, you know, one of those integral parts of uh, Spurs' turnaround here. And yeah, for him to dive like that is just, yeah, it's kind of gross. The one thing I'll, I guess I'll, I was kind of like looking at it this way in terms of Spurs and what they've done. Now they have six wins. Now four of those wins against Luton, Burnley. Bournemouth and Sheffield, the four worst teams, factually, the four worst teams in the league. Fifth win against Liverpool, obviously major asterisk. And then United, who isn't United. So as good as the story Spurs have been, and they've been a great story. They're top of the league. They've been tremendous. They've won the games they're supposed to win. They haven't lost any games. Credit to them. But at the same time, that's why I kind of want to pump the brakes on are they a title contender? Like you asked earlier, Kyle. Yes, they've won the games they're supposed to win, but they also really haven't been tested. Now, again, they drew against Arsenal. Very good. Um, that's a good result for them. But that schedule is going to get harder. It's going to pick up. They're going to drop points. They've done a good job. But at the same time, we have to also look at who they've beaten. 
at the same time. No, no I'm going to actually add to what you're talking about because let, we can just run down what they're going to have. And it really, for them, their season starts after that November international break because this is what they have. November 25th, home to Villa. The following Saturday, at City. The following Tuesday, home to West Ham. The following Saturday, Newcastle. You sprinkle in Forest and Everton in there. Then Boxing Day, away to Brighton. And that's not an easy stretch. So I think that is going to be the litmus test. The advantage again for them is they're not playing Europe, so they don't have to worry about schedule congestion. But if they can come through that, I think if all of us are sitting here right before, right after New Year's, and they got through that gauntlet, here's your crown. You've won the league. Well, I'll, I'll say this, and then Sean will get his, his say here um, on those uh, other set of games. What good teams do is they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And that's also how you win. As much as beating your title rivals, it's going out and beating the teams you're supposed to beat. Uh, Sean, your thoughts on any of those other games? Yeah, I thought Wolves looked good against Villa, uh, even though Villa had a chance to win it late. Uh, I thought Wolves, uh, you know, pretty pretty competitive. Uh, you know, obviously a Midlands derby there. Uh, I, I just, you know, you look at the table, I think, you know, you're starting to see Everton pick up some points. You're starting to see Wolves pick up some points. You know, Forrest is, you know, at nine points already. You know, you're starting to see, you know, Brentford falling a little bit down the table, but they're still picking up draws. Uh, the problem's going to be for those teams at the bottom, Luton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, who have two wins combined in 32 matches between them. Uh, where are the wins coming from? You can't keep. You know, Bournemouth's got three draws. Look, draws aren't going to get you out of the bottom. Uh, they're not very good. Uh, ridiculous decision last year to to get rid of Gary O'Neill at the end of the season, and that's going to end up hurting him, I think. Uh, Sheffield United's awful. They're atrocious. Uh, they can't catch any. I was going to say can't catch a break, but that's probably not the right thing to say. Uh, they can, I, should you know, not, I should not have chuckled at that. Go ahead. Yes. The, um, but, you know, they can't – like, it's just – you know, I thought they've played well in some games. But, you know, you look up and they're minus 16 goal difference. So, you know, let's you – know, they, they've been poor. Um, Burnley's minus 13. The three teams – the basically, here's the deal. The four teams with the goal difference of minus nine down are the last four teams in the table, all on four points, three points, or one point. Anybody else, when you look up, even Everton, who you say has struggled, even Brentford, who you say has struggled, even Wolves, you know, they're at minus five, minus three, minus one. They're going to find enough points to win because they're going to be able to score some goals. The teams at the bottom, the reason they're struggling, six goals, seven, six goals, 15 allowed, seven goals, 20 allowed, five goals, 18 allowed, six goals, 22 allowed. The, the goals given up is atrocious, obviously. But the other teams have given up goals. You know, Everton's given up 12 goals. Brentford's given up 12 goals. They find goals in their team, so they're going to win games. And, uh, you know, I just think it's probably going to be now those four teams, uh, Luton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Sheffield United. One of those teams will stay up, and uh, the rest of the other three will go down. All right, let's go around the world because, uh, as we know, it is the international break. We have a uh, European Championship qualifying coming up. It's two kind of uh, – I mean, JJ, JJ, you kind of touched on it, but if you want to get in on it, Spain-Scotland seems like the big the big game of this this qualification round. Scotland is almost there topping that group, um, you know, that, that also includes Spain, Norway, Georgia, 
and Cyprus. Uh, Spain does have a game in hand, but Scotland with 15 points has won all five of its matches. Yeah, there's. I was actually going to discuss one other bit, but I'll get yep. to that. So cycle to me at the end. But yeah, yep. the the Spain Scotland match is just fascinating on so many different levels. Because first off, this match is going to be played in Sevilla, um, so a little bit of a change from what Spain usually do. Though credit to the, the um, well, there's very few things I'll credit that federation, but they do at least spread their matches around a little bit. Scotland, though, as you say, it it's all for them at this point. All they have to do is get a result or get help from anywhere else, and they're going to be qualifying comfortably with another international window to go for the Euros. And if they don't do that, then they're away to Georgia, home to Norway. I think uh, things will be perfectly fine there. But, yeah, Spain still very much a little bit to do in that group because Norway, they do have a little bit more of a favorable finish to that schedule. The other match that I'm personally keeping my eye on is in group D. These are Thursday matches because we'll, there'll be plenty of more matches to come. So this is all on Thursday, Croatia and Turkey, uh, which again, you never really know what you're going to get out of those matches. This match is being played in, um, in Croatia, not in Zagreb. I'm not going to try and pronounce the city that the match is going to be played in, but yeah, um, I feel like this could be one of those for Turkey. You haven't really qualified for a major uh, either continental or World Cup tournament in a little while now. This is one of those where they could really put their foothold on that group and make something of it. How is Norway with Holland and Odegaard missing international tournaments? Well, you know, you got to play with 11 people. You know, some of those other guys, you know, some of the other players are, you know, a little suspect but yes they should be better uh they i actually talked about them today on on the the show in washington i you know they're gonna they're gonna beat cyprus here they need they on they they probably need scotland to 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 win you know just to, to give them a chance i i think um but they, they they've struggled a little bit in some of these games even against some teams they should be beaten three nothing four nothing maybe it's been two one so that you know they're they're just not enough um enough you know it, 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 it's it's akin to my you know trained catholic team before we got the bomb squad and built it all around there it's tough i mean you, you know you got to play some of these games and um you know we said you know, I, I think, you know, when you look, I, I was looking through the the table and, you know, Luxembourg and their group was on 10 points. Like when could you have like if you thought back to 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like there's no Luxembourg might not have gotten 10 points in qualification in, in like 20 years. And just I think the rest of the world, the rest of Europe because of that Nations League is getting better now. So it's just tough. I mean, you you, you know, you have to play these games. And, uh, you know, you're playing a Cypress team that you only beat 2-1 last time out. So they should win comfortably. But, you know, you just don't know. These other teams at the bottom are starting to get better. So, uh, you know, I think sometimes you get those results. And a team like Norway who doesn't have a full squad of players, and you have some holes there you could take advantage of in games. Stu? Yeah, Spain-Scotland. It's going to be a lot of fun. I appreciate the brand of football that Scotland plays. Obviously, really McTominay and Andy Robertson, uh, two of those the key players on on that squad. Uh, uh, you know, I, you know, they look good. They've looked really good in qualification so far, and they can really put their stamp on it if they can have a nice result against Spain. And obviously, Spain has just a world of talent um, at their disposals. 
Scotland come in and, you know, they do it kind of more with a little grit. Uh, and then Spain with a little more flair. I kind of like uh, that matchup. That, that's obviously the big one for Thursday. And I mean, there's a lot to look forward to uh, for the rest of the week, but um, which we'll do in Thursday's episode. But yeah, that Spain Scotland one. That's a that's a must watch uh, match in my opinion. Netherlands Netherlands France as well on Friday uh, uh, is is a game to keep an eye on as well. Uh, atop of that group, um, I also got South American qualifiers for for the World Cup. Uh, they'll have match days three and four uh, during this window. Uh, no Brazil against Argentina yet, um, but you you have Argentina, Paraguay, Brazil, Venezuela, Colombia, Uruguay, Bolivia, Ecuador, Chile, Peru uh, on on match day three. Uh, Brazil, Uruguay on on match day four. Uh, how about the World Cup uh, and uh, six country World Cup in 2030? Did we did we catch that announcement? How how that's going to work? Yeah, it's you know, it's what are they just 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 play the World Cup, man. What are like? What are you doing? I understand, like I understand a little bit, but like, why why are you commemorating all these matches? I don't understand. Like, why not just the first man, the first team to host it, or the first like you know what I'm saying? Like, why? I just don't. You know, they they just overcomplicate this stuff all the time. Money, money, money. <laughs> All about that dinero. All about the dinero. I like the choice. I mean, you know, I I, I texted Amaro, uh, my, you know, right afterwards, and you know, we'll we'll be there. You know, we'll be in Portugal at all those games. But uh, you know, I like the choice of of uh, you know the, the the three countries there, including uh, Morocco, which will be pretty cool because it's right. I mean, basically Morocco to Spain. I mean, where they're, I think it's eight miles apart. So it's you know basically like going from Trenton to you know, Newtown. So it'll be pretty cool. Well, but... via, via, via ferry. Yeah. But like, <laughs> they're like, it's a lot closer than the USA world cup's going to be. The next one will be after that in, tw- in 2034 will be in Saudi Arabia. Uh, that's almost a hundred percent a lock at this point, you know, so the next, you know, after the, you know, after the, 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 the world cup and in, in us, which is going to be, you know, and uh, it's, going to be gigantic and spread out all over the place you know you're, you're going to have the next two where basically you're you're a four-hour train ride from uh you know or like a 40-minute plane ride from from everywhere so um you know that'll be pretty interesting to see speaking of the u.s the uh two friendlies on tap uh germany and ghana so a little uh, a little a lot better test i know germany's been struggling a little bit but this is a much better test than uh, Uzbekistan and Oman. I think the players will be a little more locked in for this. Uh, they'll certainly, I think, be a little more prepared. Uh, you could tell they they didn't do much work on Uzbekistan and Oman during the last uh, last uh, international break. But this will be a much better test. Germany uh, on Saturday and then Ghana next week. One thing we actually did talk about uh, before we went on air was that when they come back from the international break, uh, AC Milan and Juventus are going to play each other which means there's a very good chance that there'll be four Americans on the field at the same time in a Serie A match. And to think like back when, when I was playing in, in high school and I was 15, 16 years old, to think that you could turn on a match featuring AC Milan and Juventus and see not, not just an American player on the pitch, but to see four of them and four of them who are making key contributions shows how far um, the, the game has come in, in this country in terms of the, the, the players that, are, are being produced uh, and the type of talent and ability 
the American players have. Eunice Moose has got 30 national team caps, and he's 20 years old. Like, that is incredible. And he's only going to get better with, with AC Miller. Um, JJ, last word. I know you wanted to, to circle back, so so yeah, last well, word of the night. It's funny, by the way, because that Germany match is going to be up in my neck of the woods. Sadly, yep. I'm missing that match, but um, it's going to piss down on Saturday. And uh, the artist formerly known as Rentschler Field, now it's like oh. Pratt & Whitney Stadium, doesn't do well in the rain. So that will be something to watch oh, out for. Oh, I know. I did the, uh, I did the, uh, they had the lacrosse national championships there. Yes. Um, two, and, and I was up and I went to those and it, we had a long rain delay. Let's yep. just say, <laughs> go ahead. Jay. That it was. But um, yeah, so while the men are on their international break, it should be noted that there's a few, uh, important things going on the women's side of the match i'm wearing my england women's shirt because it was a great shirt not coincidental or anything but it was nice wsl action actually started a couple of weeks ago did I'm you not see sure that you guys... player got sent off for two time wastings in the first half you're talking about the the chelsea man city match yes yes uh, yes, yes. yes I saw that um, on and that kind of yeah. goes into the whole thing that was going about where players have to have some common sense referees have to have some common sense bad all around but yeah wsl going arsenal barely escaping lee sports village with a 2-2 i had i was throwing up inside watching alessia russo in a arsenal shirt because that was killing me internally um but yeah city hold chelsea despite playing with nine women for the better part of 25 minutes which is pretty impressive arsenal in one point from six or from six points liverpool top of the league things i didn't say would happen but matt beard actually a friend of mine um done a really good job with that program since returning nwsl final week of the season coming up this weekend two playoff spots have been confirmed there's eight teams fighting for the other four all those are kicking off at five o'clock on sunday gonna be chaos in that league and also there's champions league matches starting tomorrow and the big one is man u versus psg not a typo man U PSG. So that will be something to keep an eye on. This is to qualify into the competition. So not right. just a little uh, different. It's a little different format, little, on the, on little the different, side. a home and home. Um, there's a couple other big ones in there throughout the day or throughout the two days, I should say, but uh, that's definitely the standout tie. By the way, Wayne, Wayne Rooney also out at DC United as, as manager, uh, DC missed the playoffs this year. Uh, He'll be the Birmingham City manager by the time come back from the break. Certainly, certainly possible. Messi FC also missed the playoffs. He picked up a little bit of an injury. They had they just had too big of a hill to climb. Uh, MLS final day of the regular season is Saturday, and then you'll have MLS playoffs. Uh, so I think that's uh, we've gone fifty three minutes here. I think that's uh, that's a wrap on box to box football. You know how to find us. Follow us on Twitter, the Instagram, the Spotify. Um, thanks as always for joining us uh, for our week eight of the Premier League uh, uh, recap, and we will be back on uh, Thursday. Maybe check in on some of the uh, the international action over the next two shows.